Good morning, Pastor Worth here from West Seattle Christian Church. Uh, if you are new with us, welcome. If not, welcome back. We are in our fourth uh, week of a new series called The Epic Story, and I want to review some pieces before we jump into it um, for where we've been the last couple of weeks. The first week we talked about how the story, how the story begins really matters a lot. And it begins in Genesis 1 with a God who is not mad, he is not angry, he is not upset with you. This is a God who you don't have to placate, you don't have to appease, and he actually provides. The second week we learned about God's creativity and specifically how everything he created was good. And when it comes to you, he, we learned a new word. When he created us, he said, you are tov meod, which means expe exponentially better, really, really good. And that's important because we also talked last week about how oftentimes we feel, many of us feel at certain points in our life that, that we are a mistake. And the problem is not that we are a mistake. Uh, the problem is that there are these voices out there that are trying to distract us, that are trying to manipulate us. They try to convince us that God is holding out on us. And last week we learned that we can crush those voices that are full of self-doubt and manipulation. Last week when we were talking about how sin was introduced into the world and the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent, um, we didn't really talk about what sin is. But the problem with sin, beyond the fact that it separates you and me from God, uh, is that sin promises to deliver what only God can deliver. That's why we follow sin, because sin deceives us and it tricks us into believing that there's a payoff. But sin can never give us the payoff. And so the invitation in the, in the next couple chapters that we're going to read through Genesis uh, 4 through 11, the invitation in those chapters is there are, there are story after story of God inviting people to trust him and the grand narrative that he is telling. And then all these people don't. They don't do it. And then there's a cost to that. So in Genesis 4, you have Cain and Abel and Lamech. And then in Genesis 5, you have a genealogy. And then in Genesis 6 through 9, you have the story of Noah and the ark. And then in Genesis 10, you have another genealogy. And in Genesis 11, you have the Tower of Babel story. And if you're not familiar with all those, you can, you can read through those on, on your own. But then at the end of Genesis 11, there is a new story that introduces us to a new character, and his name is Abram. And God is going to change his name later to Abraham. But in Abraham, God finally finds a guy who will trust him. He finds someone who will trust him. And so God's like, finally, here we go. Mission to re restore the world can start, finally. And so he gives Abraham this really awesome promise. So let's take a look at that promise in Genesis chapter 12. You can turn to that in your scriptures or on your device or on your computer or whatever. I uh, really recommend, by the way, uh, BibleGateway.com. There's a lot of good resources on there uh, for you to utilize in your study. But this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And now if you've been a Christian for 10 seconds, you've known this story. Uh, for a while. Um, much has been discussed regarding this statement because he says, go and do this. And then Abram goes and does it, right? So God's like, I want you to go. And we're like, wow, look at Abram's faith. He just takes off, right? And I don't agree. I don't disagree with that, but I want you to look at the next statement. He then says, 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So there's a definite payoff. I'll go anywhere if God's going to make my name great. He knows the payoff. He doesn't know where he's going, but he knows the reward at the end. So is it a big leap of faith? Maybe. But I'm interested in what God says to him, though. The promise he makes here is amazing. In verse 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Uh, here's something I do know. I think all of us want significance in this world. And some want it more, and some want it less, but I think we all want some form of significance. Uh, anybody watch the Michael Jordan documentary that came out recently? If you watch that, you know what I mean. He, he, we want significance. Some want it like that. And here's what I mean. If you want your name to be great, you have to understand that it is God who's going to make your name great. And he wants to make your name great. And if he does that, he does it for what we see in the last half of that sentence. If you go back to your scriptures, which says, so that you will be a blessing. God won't make your name great for your own benefit. God will never make your, great, your name great so that you can pad your bank account and your life and your world and have nice things and cars and houses and that kind of stuff. That, those things may or may not happen in your life, but God doesn't make your name great so that you can have that. God, for no other reason, makes your name great so that you can be a blessing. That is his promise to Abraham, and that's his promise to you and me. The whole world is going to be blessed because of you. And that is an astounding promise. All right, jump down to verse 4. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old and when, when he departed from Haran. So what's, what's funny here is that he's probably like, yeah, right. And actually, the promise does not happen until he's much older. But really, you know, Everybody starts having kids when they're 75, right? This is crazy. Abraham is like, how is this going to happen? And that's the question for us. Have you ever felt like God's promise to you is so outrageous that there's no way he can make it happen? So here's the question for those of you who profess to follow this same God. Do you follow a God who is big enough to pull that kind of stuff off? back then and, and right now, or is your God too small? Verse 5, And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. What's the problem here? What's the problem? To your offspring, I will give the land. What's the problem? He's 75 years old and he doesn't have any kids. I'm 75 and you're talking to me about offspring and I'm thinking about retirement here, God. <laughs> End of verse 7. So he built an, there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God promises, I'll make your name great so that you can bless all the nations and I'm going to do that by making you into a great nation. Through your offspring, all the world will be blessed. Let's be clear about this. We've already said this. God is never going to bless your, you for your own benefit. 
He blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. That is our role as followers of Jesus. His promise is that when you do that, he'll do more for your life than you even thought possible when you live to bless others. And I know for a lot of us, it's like, I, I don't know how that works. Very similar to Abraham and the promise God gave him. How does this work? How can God in our lives take the mess and do anything good with it? Listen, I get that. I have felt that way a lot. It's, it's just his, his promise. The question is, do you believe him? Do you believe him? Like last week, we asked, is God holding out on us? That was the primary question. Is he holding out on us? And how we answer that question says a lot about the voices that we listen to. This week, we're asking a similar question. Is God's promise secure? Will he actually do what he says he is going to do? And how we answer that question says a lot about how you and I are willing to put him on display in the world. Is God's promise secure? It's really easy to say yes, but we're, when we're out there in the world making choices, it's not so clear for us. I want to jump to another story that involves Abram in Genesis 15. It's a really cool story. I'm just going to tell it to you and you can go read it later. Um, this really cool thing happens. He's with God and he's, he's getting ticked off. Abram's getting mad and he says to God, how are you going to do this? I don't even have a kid. If I die, nothing happens. 20 years have gone by and you haven't done anything. And that's really interesting. That makes me think this. If God gave you a promise for your life and then waited 20 years to fulfill that promise, would you stay faithful? I mean, I hope I, I, hope I would say yes to that, but, but I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> and so what happens is Abraham starts to question God. He starts to question him. Uh, he's like, come on, show up. Just show up. And God says, okay, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a bunch of animals for a sacrifice, and I'm going to make a covenant with you. And we've talked about this at length a few years back when we did our Covenant and Kingdom series. Um, this is not a peer-to-peer, friend-to-friend uh, agreement. This is someone who is much greater than and someone who is much less than, and they are coming to an agreement, a covenant. And when Abraham does this, he cuts all the animals in half, and he lays the two halves out in two rows in a line, and this is what is called a blood covenant. The greater party in the covenant sets the terms in the deal, and the lesser party has to walk right down through this aisle of these two halves of animals, right down the middle, stating the terms that the greater party picked, saying, I'm going to do these things as I walk through the parts of these animals. The, the lesser is basically saying, I agree to these terms. Not only that, if I fail, may this, all of these cut up animals, if I fail to uphold this covenant, may this happen to me. So God says, let's do this. And Abraham cuts up the animals and then he refuses to go in. He, he gets it all ready and then he refuses to go in. And we're going to we're going to leave it there for this week and talk about the implications of that next week. We're going to pick it back up. But I want you to remember 
that the question we're asking this week is this, is God's promise secure? And Abraham is wondering the exact same thing for his life when he, when he doesn't go in and how he's going to live his life. So before I sign off for this week, I'll just remind you of that statement I made earlier. Is God's promise secure? And how we answer that question says a lot about how you and I are willing to put him on display in the world. We'll see you throughout the week.